Father God, we declare you as beautiful. We declare you as powerful, as wonderful, as glorious, gracious, generous, merciful, all-loving, all-providing. God of peace, God of justice, God of love, we pray that our souls would sing your praises. God, would you bless this word as we come around your word this morning. God, bless it to our hearts. Bless it to our minds. Bless it to our lives. Let it impact us and push us forward into all you have for us. And all God's people said? Amen, amen. Who's glad to be in church? Anybody? Good stuff. It's so good to be with you. Um, just want to welcome you to the final part of our summer message series. It's a series uh, that we've called Stories Jesus Told. And over the summer, we've been looking at some famous parables and some parables that maybe you haven't either heard of or maybe don't know a lot about, might be unfamiliar to you. But actually, do you know what? Everything Jesus said speaks to us today. Thank you, Howard. Everything Jesus said speaks to us today. Um, and so, you know, throughout Jesus' ministry, Jesus told parables. He told stories. Sometimes it was a response to a question that he'd been asked. Sometimes Jesus would see a situation and he would tell a parable that spoke into that situation. And William Barclay coined this phrase that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus has this ability to take something that's earthly, take something that's familiar, and lead us into something that he wants to reveal about heaven. Jesus has that ability to do it. Um, William Barclay said this, there's an inward affinity between the natural and the spiritual. Actually, in all of us, there's something spiritual. In all of us, there's an affinity to something beyond. In all of us, there's an affinity to the things of heaven. Ecclesiastes said this, that God planted eternity in the human heart. In all of us, there's a sense of eternity. In all of us, there's a sense of something beyond what we can see, something beyond what we can hear, beyond what we can smell, beyond what we can taste. There is something more to life. So when Jesus is given a parable, we have to look at it in that context. It's not just a nice story that we do in Sunday school. There's power behind it. There's a meaning behind it. There is something more there that we need to draw out that's going to impact us and inspire us. And, and we're going to wrap up this series today with one more parable that... You might have heard, you might have read it, you might not understand it, but we're going to try and unpack it a little bit. So I'd love you to turn to, to Luke chapter 18. And to help you with this, um, if you look at the, the narrative of Jesus' life, Jesus is coming to the end of what we call his journey to Jerusalem. And we don't know if Luke is writing chronologically or whether Luke is writing thematically. Luke has this kind of... He kind of dips in and out, if you like. Some bits of Luke are chronological. Some bits of Luke is just where he pulls bits together to, to write in, in theme. And we don't know whether this is chronological or um, thematic, but we do know that Jesus has just been uh, talking about uh, the end times. He's been talking about persecution. Um, and it's just before Jesus goes into Jericho and then the journey to Jerusalem and we get our Easter Weekend. So it's interesting that this parable is sandwiched by suffering. It's sandwiched by injustice. It's sandwiched by persecution. And then it says this. It says this in, in Luke 18. It says, verse 1, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Now, if you take that into context, they've just come from 
suffering. They've just come from injustice. They've just come from persecution. Down the road is suffering. Down the road, there will be persecution. Down the road, there's injustice. And right in the middle, Jesus tells this parable. He says that you should always pray and never give up. If you read that in the Greek, it says they should always pray, never be weary or faint. Can I tell you, there are tough times. Jesus knows this for the disciples. He said, listen, there is going to be some tough times ahead, but I'm telling you now, ahead of time, keep praying. Don't get faint. It says this in Isaiah, what? Those that wait on the Lord will find new strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. There's a sign, uh, you may have seen this, the Salvation Army, I say you may have seen this, some of you aren't old enough, so ignore that. Um, <laughs> the Salvation Army displayed this sign during the war, and it says this, if your knees knock, kneel on them. Even in the darkest days of, of World War II, when there was nothing that the normal people could do, even in those darkest days, they could pray. They could get on their knees and seek God. Church, I want to encourage you in every season that we make prayer a priority. That we make prayer one of our number one priorities in our life. It's one of the reasons, and we'll explain this next week, house groups aren't coming back together in September for, for, for September. They will come back together. Don't, we're not cancelling house groups. But for September, we're not bringing our house groups together because we want to offer September as a month of prayer. So when you would be meeting in houses, actually we're going to come together as one body, one church, one mind, one vision to pray to seek God's face. To seek his guidance, seek his protection, seek his grace, seek his peace, seek his provision. So I want to, make, I want to just encourage you now to make those Tuesday nights a priority. Every Tuesday in September, we'll be here in the building, we'll have a time of worship, and then we're going to just pray and seek God's face. Why? Because those that trust in the Lord will find new strength. We will run and not grow weary. We'll walk and not faint. So onto the, onto the parable of Luke 18. Jesus says this, that there was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. We'll come on to that in a moment, but I, I heard a story once about an American farmer who walked into a judge's office, and he wanted a, he wanted a divorce, and the judge said, well, can I help you? And the farmer said, yeah, I want to get one of them divorces. Maybe he's from Devon. Um, <laughs> I don't know. So the judge says, well, do you have any grounds? The farmer says, yes, I got acres. The judge says, well, no, do you have a case? The, the farmer said, no, I haven't got a case. I've got a John Deere. It's a tractor joke. So the judge said, no, 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 no. Have you got a grudge? The farmer said, yeah, I got a grudge. It's where I parked my John Deere. The judge says, well, do you have a suit? The man says, yeah, I've got a suit. I wear it on Sundays. The judge says, well, does she beat you up or anything? The man says, no, we get up at the same time. <laughs> so the judge says, okay, why do you want a divorce? The man says, I can't understand a word she says. 
I heard another story of a man who he hired a lawyer um, in, in a claim of missing baggage, but um, he lost the case. Here we are. <laughs> now, going back to this parable, it's, it's actually, when we look at this, it's a really vague parable. We don't know anything about this woman, apart from she was a widow and she's been wronged. We don't know anything about the enemy. We don't know anything about what wrong has been done to this woman. We don't know anything about where this takes place, except it's a certain City, And it's easy to kind of assume, well, well Jesus must be talking to, to, to Jews here. This must be a Jewish story, must be a Jewish judge. But there's a problem there. Because if you know the Jewish law, there's a legal precedent in Jewish law that they have to give uh, uh, precedence to widows and orphans. So if you're a widow or an orphan and you go to a judge, the judge has to be more favorable to you. That's written in Jewish law. But this judge doesn't do that. So we have to assume he's not Jewish. So he's a judge that doesn't fear God. He's a judge that doesn't fear God. So what we've got instead of a Jewish judge, we've got a Roman judge. A Roman judge appointed by Herod. Now, Roman judges, if you wanted to win a case, you need influence or money. That was how you won cases in Roman court. You either needed influence or you needed money to pay a bribe. So we have a widow. A widow who's stuck. No influence, no money. She goes to the judge. She can't appeal to his faith because he doesn't have any. She can't appeal to his kind of good nature or his sense of community or his own self-image because it says he doesn't even care what people think about him. So this woman is stuck, but what she does, she keeps coming. Day after day, day after day, repeatedly bringing her case. Now, I love the next bit. And, and the English translation I've got, it says, this woman is driving me crazy. I'm not going to go into that too much. <laughs> but there's a Greek word there. It means hypopieze. And what it means is to strike under the eye. So literally what this man is saying is, she is going to give me a black eye. I love that. I love that translation where he says, this woman, she's going to give me a black eye. Um, but the, the word, we, we have it translated as annoy, harass, worry, um, exhaust. I think I prefer the black eye one. But he says, do you know what? I, I'm, I'm fed up of this. I'm, I'm fed up of this. This woman, she's just wearing me out with her constant request. I'm going to see she gets justice. Because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. There's a story that Martin Luther, if you've heard of Martin Luther, the, not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther, the, the German theologian, he once said that he had, a, he had a puppy. And whenever Martin Luther would sit down for dinner, he'd be sat at the table. Suddenly, and if you've got a dog, you'll know all about this, the puppy arrives. And the puppy would sit at his side. And, and do you know dogs have that look? You know the look dogs have when you're eating and they're not? And they don't move. They don't even blink. Nothing else matters. And they'll be, there for, they'll be there for ages, and they'll just be staring at you and your plate. And Martin Luther said this, Oh, if I could only pray the way the dog watches the meat. 
All his thoughts are concentrated on that piece of meat. Otherwise, he has no thought, no wish, no hope. All his thoughts are on that plate. If I could pray the way the dog watches that plate, wouldn't it be great? That when we come to pray, nothing else matters. We're not focused on anything else. The only thing that matters to us is getting to God, getting to his presence, getting a piece of what's on God's plate. Jesus said this. He said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God, if this judge who doesn't fear God, doesn't care what people think about him, isn't kind of worried about his own perception, if this judge will render the right decision, don't you think God will surely give justice to his people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? If you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the, the parable of the uh, friend at night. When, when we talked about this, this friend who goes to his neighbor and he pesters, 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 pesters to get this food for this visitor that's come to his house. And we talked about that this parable isn't really an instruction to pester God. That's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, listen, you don't need to pester God, but it's a, it's a contrast parable between a grumpy neighbor who responds out of pestering and a generous father who loves to give. And that was what that parable was. It's a contrast parable. And we need to look at this parable in the same light. It's a contrast parable. This isn't about pestering God. It's a God who loves to give. And we want to be careful here because actually when you look at this parable, it's not about this woman is not crying out for provision. She's not asking for anything material. She's asking for justice. She's asking for justice to be done. And we'll come back to that in a moment. But, but what we have here is, is Jesus is taking this judge and he's contrasting this judge with God. Because I don't know if you know this, God's not a cold-hearted judge. God's a loving father. The judge is unrighteous. God's righteous. The Bible says this, your throne endures forever. You rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. The judge is callous. He doesn't care. God's compassionate. Psalm 85 says this, you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. This widow, she walks into a court of law. The Bible tells us we can walk into a throne of grace. Hebrews says this, Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we'll receive his mercy. We'll find grace to help us when we need it most. This woman's a widow. She's a poor widow. No influence, no money, very little prospects. The Bible says we're a bride of Christ says this, that you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This widow was a stranger to the judge. He didn't know she was. The Bible says this, we're a friend of God. Jesus says to his disciples, I don't call you servants. Instead, I have called you friends. I heard this phrase a few weeks ago when I was, I was studying this. It said that a, a good lawyer knows the law, but a great lawyer knows the judge. 
Isn't it great that we know the judge? We know the judge who actually calls us friends. And when we know the judge, we don't have to worry about justice being done. There's a story from back in the, in the 50s about a baseball player called Jackie Robinson. Um, if you follow baseball, you may have heard of him. He was the first black uh, person, person of color. He was the first person to play professional baseball. He signed to the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1945. And because of his color, every stadium he played in, he was booed. Every stadium, whether he was fielding, whether he was batting, he was booed out of the stadium, the opposition pitchers would throw the ball straight at his head. He got abuse from the opposition players. He even got abuse from his own team. Before they, they signed him, that the other players got wind, they were going to sign this colored player. And they wrote a petition amongst the players saying, if you sign him, we'll all quit. He signed anyway. And that, that's what he's up against. And there's a story that he's, he's playing one day, their, their home stadium in Brooklyn, and, and, and he's, he's, he's not having a great game, and both sets of fans are on this guy. They, they are booing him out of the stadium, and there's a, there's a famous story that another player called Pee Wee Reese, he walks over to him, puts his arm around him, and just turns to face the crowd. And there's this huge boo, deafening boo, and they just stand there facing the crowd, this, this white baseball player with his arm around this, this, this colored baseball player. And the booing dies down. And you can hear a pin drop. And then some people start to clap. Robinson said later that that, that one arm around his shoulder saved his career. Can I tell you, relationship makes a difference relationship makes a difference and we can come before the throne of grace because the judge is our friend you can see that statue if you go to brooklyn you can see that statue it's still there and in this parable this woman's alone no lawyer to speak for her no support no legal aid bible says jesus is our advocate apostle john says this if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is righteous. So what we've got in this psalm is we've got Jesus contrasting a judge, cold-hearted, unrighteous, callous judge. And he's saying, okay, look at that judge, and now look at a loving, righteous, compassionate God. We don't go to a courtroom, we go to a throne of grace. We're not a widow, but we are the bride of Christ. We're not a stranger to a judge, we're a friend of God. We're not left alone to defend ourselves. We have an advocate. And Jesus closes the parable with this. He says, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he, even this judge did what was right. Even he did it in the end. So if, if that judge, when, when someone is persistent, when someone keeps praying, if that judge will do that, don't you think God will surely give justice. Then he says this, I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. And that's a really interesting line, because sometimes we can read that and think, well, Jesus says, when I pray, it'll just happen. It'll just happen quickly. Can I tell you that's not quite what Jesus 
means. It doesn't mean God answers our prayers straight away. We've all got experience of God not answering our prayers straight away. We've all got experience of God answering our prayers over extended time. Can I tell you, if Jesus, if God answered your prayer straight away, Jesus wouldn't have had to tell you to persist. He wouldn't have had to tell you to keep praying. And I've tried to work this out. So what does Jesus mean when he says quickly? What does that mean? How can Jesus say quickly when we know from experience sometimes it takes time? And the only way I can word this and kind of explain it is, is that God will answer our prayers in his own time. But when the answer comes, it comes quickly. And I, and I hope that makes sense, but I just want to give you some examples from the Bible because Joseph had a dream. If you go back to Genesis, Joseph has this dream that he's going to be a great leader. It took 14 years, a pit, slavery, and a prison. And he stayed faithful to God. And then what happened? Suddenly, he was in front of Pharaoh. In the Exodus narrative, you've got the Israelites who they've been in slavery for years and years and years, and they cry out to God for rescue. They cry out to God for deliverance. And then one night, suddenly, Pharaoh can't get them out quick enough. But it took years of prayer, years of staying faithful, years of chasing after God. If you look at Acts, the disciples are in the upper room. They haven't seen Jesus for 10 days. Jesus has disappeared. He's gone to heaven. So te- and he, he said, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. 10 days later, they're still there. They're praying. They're praying. They're praying. What does Acts tell us? Suddenly, the Holy Spirit comes. Later on, Peter's in prison. He's basically awaiting the death sentence. He's waiting to be put to death. And it says the church prayed for him. Now, that could have been days, that could have been weeks, but it says they prayed earnestly. They prayed persistently. They prayed without ceasing. And then, suddenly, there was a bright light and the chains fell off. Paul and Silas, later on, they're in prison. And it says this, and they were praying. They were singing hymns. Despite being in chains, despite being in shackles, they were singing, uh, singing hymns to God. And then what happened? Suddenly, the doors fly open. And the chains fall off. Think about more modern times. If you look at the the collapse of the Soviet Union, how many years were people praying for that to happen? And how quickly did it fall when it did? If you look at apartheid in South Africa, how many years were people praying, seeking God, saying, God, would you end apartheid? And then it just happened. And it's the only way I I can describe this is God will answer in his own time, but when it happens, there's a suddenly. Can I tell you, church, there's a suddenly coming? I'll come back to that in a moment. But actually, Isaiah said that, you know, if we go back again into into the Bible, Isaiah said, you know, there's going to be a suddenly. That after years of waiting, after years of seeking God, for the Jews who were looking for the Messiah, Isaiah says this, suddenly a virgin's going to be pregnant. Suddenly there's going to be a star in the sky. Suddenly there's going to be a census. Years and years of praying for a Messiah, and God is orchestrating everything in the background ready for that suddenly. But the suddenly comes from persistent, faithful, consistent prayer and seeking God. There is another suddenly coming. And we are going to bring either the end of this year or or the the beginning of next year, we are going to be bringing some messages on that. 
because it is coming. There is a suddenly coming, and I want us to, to get an understanding of, of what that might look like or, or how that might happen. If you come, I'll tell you the date it will happen as well. I won't really. But you know what? The Bible's clear that at some point we'll be here and then suddenly we'll be gone. There is a suddenly coming. We don't know when that is. We can't plan for it. We can't calculate it. But what we can be is faithful. We can be faithful until it happens. That's why Jesus says this. When the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Because Jesus knew there was a suddenly coming. And this whole parable is a setup where he says, you've got to be faithful. You've got to be persistent. You've got to be consistent in your prayers. Because Jesus knew that authentic Christianity was going to be rare. That's why he said it. How many will I find? That authentic Christianity is going to be rare. Actually, in the next parable, if you go on in Luke 18, the next parable is about a bunch of people who are just full of their own self-importance. And that's why Jesus tells this parable, keep praying, stay faithful, be persistent, tenacious, tireless, because I think God answers the steadfast in the suddenly. That when we are, when we are steadfast in our prayers, God answers in the suddenly, and he's calling us as a church, as people, as followers of Jesus, to be steadfast. I want to invite the band back up as we just draw this series to a close. I hope you've enjoyed this series. I hope it's, it's blessed you and encouraged you. And, and over the last few weeks, we've had messages on different parables, on different stories that Jesus has told, earthly stories that have revealed something about God, his kingdom. And as we head into September, we've just really felt in our Sunday meetings, in, in our prayer meetings, in our conversations with the team, and, and I've said this before, we feel that, that actually God's doing something in terms of our priorities, in terms of our kind of mindset. Maybe God's just doing a little bit of challenging and saying, okay, I want you to just refocus. And we've got some messages on our hearts that we've, we're already writing. Um, we're going to do a series in September called Deeper, Higher, Wider. And, and the reason for that is over the next few weeks, we just really feel God saying, do you know what? I want you to go deeper. I want you to go deeper into my word. God's also saying, I want you to live higher. I want you to go deep in my word, but I want you to live higher, and I want you to look wider. And we just really feel over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack those. But I, I, We just really feel that's what God's saying to us as, 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 a, as a couple. I, we feel God saying that to us as a church, and we're going to unpack that. Um, so as we, as we close this series, actually, we've got a lot, lot to thank God for that he's taught us through this. I'll just go through some of the highlights of the, 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 the series. You know, there's a God who forgives our sins, a God who makes us righteous, a God of amazing grace, a generous God who wants to bless his children, but a God that tells us to pray and seek him at all times in all situations. A God that asks us to build our foundations on his word. A God that wants us to prepare our own soil for what God wants to plant in us and for what God wants to grow. You know, preparing soil isn't something you just do. It takes a bit of time. It takes digging. It takes perseverance. It, it actually takes moving things around. 
so you can make space for what God wants to put in your life. He's a God that wants us to live for him now. I loved Colin's message last week. It's really powerful about I'd rather live for Jesus now. A God who wants us to put him first. Above possessions or anything the world can offer. And then we have a God who offers, who invites us into a throne room of grace. And who answers the steadfast in the suddenly. Why don't we stand together? Father God, we pray you would help us to be steadfast in our prayers. Help us to be steadfast in our lives. Help us to prepare our own soil for what you want to do in our lives. Help us to live for you. And not for popularity, not for fame, not for earthly approval. God, help us to live for you. Help us to build our lives on your word. Help us to pray in every situation. Thank you, God, that you are a loving, generous, kind, merciful Father. You're our friend. You're our advocate. You're our provider. You're our protector. You're our hope in every season, in every circumstance, every situation. We're going to repeat a song that we sang earlier. And the band don't know I'm going to do this, but I'm just going to ask him to slow it down so we can focus on the words. Over every thought, over every word, may my life reflect the beauty of my Lord. Lord, reign in me. Over all my faults, over all my dreams, in my best days and in my darkest hour. Father God, before September even starts, we pray you would reign in us. Why don't we sing this song and let's. Sorry, band, I know I'm messing you around now, but just gonna ask the band to just slow it down just so we can focus on these words, that this would be our prayer, not just for a Sunday morning, but actually this is our prayer as we move into everything God's got for us. Lord, reign in me. Why don't we sing together?